Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Well, wait, not all of that is true. I hope we have spiritual conversation today, and I certainly am glad you're here. But on today's show, there are no guests. I'm trying something new. Do you know, in the more than 10 years Out of the Fog's been on the air, in one form or another, I have never just taken the mic and talked with you directly. So I thought I'd give it a try. Step into my office, won't you? We are in my office. I'm recording this from my office. That's also the Junior Broadcaster Clubhouse, where I record um, audio for classes and teach, but also record radio episodes when I can't get to the Empower Radio Studios, like in a pandemic. And this office is a small room at the back of the house that I share with my wife and my two enormous man-children and with Pepper the dog. This office, this sweet, sacred space is the place where I feel happiest, most held, most protected. It's where I work with clients in my work as a professional intuitive. I teach class from here. It's where I dream and write and record audio. So come on in. I'm drinking coffee from my Tigger mug, but you can choose from any of the other mugs I've got here. I just put the coffee on so it's fresh and I've got lots of tea. You can have a seat on the couch over there but you'll have to move my knitting out of the way. So don't worry, just push it aside and have a seat. When I mentioned to somebody that I was going to do this solo show and that I wasn't sure what to do with it, they said I should spend at least a little time talking about my origin story. That made me laugh because the last time I checked, I'm not a Marvel superhero. I don't know if I have an origin story. But I do want to share just a little bit about who I am and how I got to this wacky place on my path. It is certainly not where I thought I was headed. I grew up as a very psychic child. From as early as I can remember, I saw things other people didn't see and heard things other people didn't hear, and I knew stuff before I was properly supposed to know it. And I also had... an ongoing conversation with my guides. My guides were always very present in my field and they talked to me all the time. And one of my earliest clear memories, and I'm I'm not proud of this, but I will share it with you. One of my earliest clear memories is on a winter morning, and I must have been 
maybe four and a half, because my little sister had just been born. She was a baby. I was in our living room getting ready to watch Captain Kangaroo. Now I'm dating myself, right? This is probably 1969, 1970. Getting ready to watch Captain Kangaroo, and I'm riding my favorite horse. The horse is one of those plastic horses, and then it's got springs that come out from the sides and attaches to the fr- to a frame. You know the ones I mean? And I'm riding my horse, and Captain Kangaroo's about to come on, and my guides are talking to me. Karen, look at this. Hey, Karen. Let us show you something. And I remember clear as day me saying, that's enough. Stop it. Shut up. Go away. So there's my big spiritual, there's my big spiritual awakening memory. Yep. I'm the one who told your guides to shut up and go away. Now, when you tell your guides to shut up and go away, they don't really go away. They just step into the background. Our guides are always with us. They're here to help us. And our connection with them is voluntary. When I say shut up and go away, my guides go, all right, lady, and they just step into the background, no judgment, and they wait until I invite them back in. Telling my guides to shut up and go away did not make me suddenly be not psychic. So as I grew up, my psychic experiences, because I wasn't working with my guides, I didn't have any tools for energetic protection, were scary ones, haunted ones, paranormal ones, right? Like stuff you see on TV and in the movies, scary stuff. And every time I had a psychic experience, something that was scary because I wasn't paying attention, I would try to push down my abilities farther and farther and farther. And this continued until I was in my mid-40s. Between the time that I told my guide to shut up and go away and the time that I had a big psychic awakening and came into this work in my early mid-40s, I did a lot of things. I worked as an actor from the time I was a child up into my early adulthood, and acting saved me. What a great thing for an intuitive kid. I didn't know I was doing it, but I was able to channel my intuition into the delightful process of creating characters, getting into the heart and mind of of someone else into a story. I was able to use my intuition to make me a fairly—I was an all right actor— I loved improvisation. I loved the training about being present in the moment, being flexible, not being afraid to speak the truth, whatever that truth was, to just let it come out of your mouth and then deal with it as it came out. That's the basis of how I teach intuitive development these days. It has a lot to do with ideas about improvisation and letting spirit move through you. I also, by the time I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and was living in San Francisco with my wife, I became very engaged in the Episcopal Church in San Francisco and joined a community at Grace Cathedral there in San Francisco and found myself eventually working as someone who helped bring uh, people who were having an experience of spiritual transformation, who were trying to learn more about the spiritual awakening that was happening in their lives, their desire to get closer to spirit. I was running small groups and doing some pastoral counseling with people who were curious, seeking more, people who knew that what they could see and feel on the surface of their lives wasn't all there was. They were seeking what we called God, what I would now call source, divine love, divine light. And I loved that work. And although I didn't know it, and wouldn't have said so, my intuition, 
my ability to see into the heart, to see a little bit farther, helped me be, I hope, an effective counselor and teacher in running those groups. From there, it was kind of a hop, skip, and the jump until I found myself in seminary, preparing for ordination to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. In that tradition, it's a very long process, years and years and years. And I was also working full-time that whole time I was working in the publishing industry. Um, And so my path through seminary was slow. And I loved, again, my intuition led me to seminary. I devoured history and theology and liturgics, and I, oh, I loved it. And even as I began to work in congregations, to preach and to teach continuing training in pastoral counseling, even as I kept doing that, I was receiving a strong call, a strong knowing that that was not the right place for me, that there was something more for me. But remember, I'm the one who doesn't believe in intuition, and so I just stuffed that knowing, stuffed that call, stuffed that change, that call to step out to do something else. I tried to tuck that away in my back pocket and keep on going. Well, that realization that what my life path was was different than the path I was setting myself on, that there was more for me to explore, that this wasn't where my story ended, that knowing couldn't be ignored. And although I stayed in seminary, uh, what happened was I got really sick, physically sick, and had to withdraw, sick enough that I had to withdraw from the program. And when I did that, I was angry. I was embarrassed because I'd been working in congregations. People were counting on me. And now all of a sudden I'd pulled out and I knew I wasn't going back. I knew it wasn't right for me. And having the time to think about it only clarified that for me. And I was asking God, asking spirit, what's, what's happening here? I thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. I thought I was on the right path. And now here I am. And now I'm just working. I'm not doing anything. What is this more that you have for me? No answer, at least no answer, not as fast as I wanted it. Roll forward a year or so, and I got really, really, really sick. Those of you who know me know that I've got an unusual physical constitution, so stuff's always growing where it shouldn't grow, or bits fall off, or there's it's just kind of one nonsensical happening after another. My physical body got to a place where I needed three surgeries, And I had those three surgeries in the span of 13 months, so there wasn't time to recover between the surgeries. I had a little one and a medium one and a big one. After the little one, I noticed my intuition, that thing I was trying to suppress, the knowing and the seeing and the hearing, I noticed that was a lot stronger. And after the medium-sized surgery, it was even stronger. And by the time I was in recovery from the last surgery, which is a great big one, I realized I was going to have to now do something, face my intuition head on, or I really would go nuts with it. And so what I did was invite my guides back in. I said, all right, spirit, I believe you're here with me. Guides, come back on board. Show me the way that I am meant to walk. That path took me to intuitive development class where I learned to set energetic boundaries and be more connected with my guides. It helped change those experiences which had almost always been scary and negative and overwhelming and a little bit traumatizing, if I'm going to be honest with you. It helped give me some context for those experiences and open me up to all the gifts that I had, not just my gift to scare, not just my gift to scare myself. 
and getting some intuitive training changed my life. My first teacher was Matthew Engel in San Francisco. Beautiful man, still teaching. He's um, MatthewEngel.com is his website. After I completed my first class with him, and it was pretty obvious when I went to class with him that I was reading, connecting more at the level that he did as a teacher than at the level the other students were. And after my first class with him, I asked him what I should do. And he said, I think you should print business cards. (laughs) And I was just, I don't know, foolish enough or kind of whipsawed enough from all the back and forth and thinking I was knowing where I was going. And then that wasn't it at all that I printed business cards. We had business cards in those days. That was about 2007 and began the practice that I have now. I spent so much of my early life trying to fit in, trying to push my intuition down, trying to be like everyone else. And now here it is. It turns out that I'm doing a very odd thing for a living. I'm a professional intuitive and spiritual teacher, and I bring this broadcast to you, and I love it. From this office, from this sacred space, I get to connect voice to voice with more than 1,200 people a year for private intuitive counseling sessions. Now that I have said yes to my intuition, now that I've gotten some training, now that I've gotten my arms around it, I can use my gifts to sit with people, hold sacred space for them, to look at what I call the questions behind the questions so that we can work through the deeper layers that help bring clarity on life path and direction. I cannot imagine loving anything more. I had on that day when I told my guides to shut up and go away, I had no idea that this would be my job. I thought I was going to be an actor. I thought I was going to be a priest. Nope. I didn't want to be bothered with my psychic ability. And now it's turned out that those gifts I tried to hide, the thing I tried to ignore and push down, that's opened the door for me to be able to be fully present in my own life and to hold sacred space for other people as they share their stories, as they share their journeys, as my guides help me shine a bright light on their paths and opportunities and changes that they might not quite yet be able to see clearly. I guess I went from not wanting to be involved to being deeply passionately involved with my intuition and my gifts completely changed the course of my life and the way that I live every single day. I'm about 12 years in practice now. It's professional intuitive. My life is different every day. And I guess that's my origin story. Sorry, there's no superpowers. There's no tremendous adversity to overcome. Just a girl who said no (laughs) turned into a woman who said yes. And when I said yes, everything changed. Now you're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm Karen Hager. Thanks for stepping into my office. In today's show, you can always find out more about me and the many shenanigans I'm undertaking at KarenHager.com. One of the things I think I've learned from my own journey is how powerful fear can be. That fear I had of experiencing my own intuitive gift made it so that everything I experienced was scary, right? My fear of experiencing it led to more fear. Fear shuts us down. It it constricts. It keeps us triggered, reactive. Love 
opens doors, lets us be responsive, that yes, yes, I will be open to spirit. Yes, I will follow the path. Yes, I will do the best I can with what I have in front of me. Love opens doors. It lets us respond, not react. And so I'm going to say, don't be afraid. What? That's nuts, right? Don't be afraid. Look what's happening in the world. It's a dumpster fire. But I mean it. Don't be afraid. Feeling fear, feeling anxiety, that's completely normal. Don't try to never be anxious or never feel free because never feel fear. Because that's a ticket to madness right there. It's impossible. Feeling afraid, feeling anxious, that's different than being afraid. When I act from fear, when I let my fearful being dictate my actions and my decisions, then it is a hot mess. When I act from that place, I'm triggered and reactive and grabby and nasty. It's mm-mm, not good. I can feel fear, fear and anxiety. Often I, I do. I can feel that and choose to act from love. Love opens doors. Remember, it brings us into a responsive place. The challenge, I think, is that being afraid is such a huge trigger. It pushes at us so hard that we find ourselves acting from fear even before we thought about what we're going to do. We just fear, respond, fear and reaction that quick. So learning to put some space between the feeling, between that trigger, I am fearful, I am anxious, and the action I choose to act from love, it's key. Putting some space in there is key. The best way I know to add some space between trigger and response is to take a breath. If you're feeling super anxious, that breath might start out like a gasp. It might be more like, (gasps) but that's okay. Whatever you got, right? You just breathe as deeply as comfortable for you and let it go when you're ready. And there, now you've added some space. For bonus points, breathe again. In as deeply as is comfortable and out whenever you're ready. I like to think of my breath as adding some padding to my experience. It adds a kind of a comfy layer um, between that raw push of my fear or my anxiety, and it makes it a little bit easier to maneuver with it or around it. Those uh, comfy layers that we add are what I call energetic boundaries. So when I breathe intentionally or when I use any practice to set energetic boundaries, I'm adding space between the trigger and the response so I can discern how I want to act. The idea behind energetic boundaries, as I teach them anyway, is that no one and nothing is allowed in your energetic field without your permission. It's important enough to say twice. No one and nothing is allowed in your energetic field without your permission. When we take action, when we do something to reinforce that truth, the truth that my energy is my own, then we are setting energetic boundaries. There's lots of ways to set boundaries, and most of them, the good ones, are quite simple. My favorites, like taking three mindful breaths, are compassionate, practical, repeatable, and you can do them as often as you need to. It's never, ever greedy or selfish to protect yourself energetically. 
You don't need to strip away all your protection or go in naked to help people or hear people to perceive emotion or to be responsive or to be a healer. No, in fact, your gifts as a healer, your effectiveness as a listener, your openness is hugely improved when you take action from within those good energetic boundaries. Here's another favorite boundary setting action of mine. Just take your thumb and forefinger and put them together. When you do that, that closes an energetic loop. And when you hold the thumb and forefinger together, you start to feel your own rhythm. It's a physical reminder of that truth. No one and nothing is allowed in your field without your permission. You can also imagine that extra padding as a sphere of white light around your physical body. Kind of like you created a lovely protective egg around you that you can float in, move in, carry with you as you get through a difficult moment. I like this protective sphere tool, especially when I'm going into something that I know is going to trigger me. A difficult conversation, maybe, or going out when I'm nervous about my safety because, you know, pandemic. On my website over at KarenHager.com, there's a free guided meditation to help you learn to create a protective sphere. If you are at KarenHager.com, you can uh, just add your name and email address in the box that says free psychic protection audio and then and then grab that. Yeah, it signs you up for my newsletter, but I don't bug you very much. And you and you can unsubscribe from me anytime. And there's a lot more tools and techniques in a class called Practical Protection for Empaths that's on my website. Just click the classes tab and you'll find that. So but does acting from love, does setting boundaries create space to differentiate between a reaction and a response. Is that a spiritual bypass? Does acting from love, like from within those boundaries, is that the same as pretending everything's fine? Is it like putting a phony smile on your face and going around going la 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 as the world burns around you? No, it's exactly the opposite of that. When you set energetic boundaries, when you act from love, when you're intentional, conscious, present with your actions and responses, you gain greater awareness. You are more awake, not less. Take it from the woman who tried to shut everything, (laughs) tried to shut everything down and had no boundaries. When you set energetic boundaries, you are awake. You're aware you can make a difference in the world. You notice more when you're awake. And because you've got those tools to help with the triggers, you can be part of the change that's so needed in this world. No matter what is happening, you don't need to act from being afraid. So does a mindful breath stop a wildfire in its tracks? Does it make you immune from a pandemic? Does it make hate and division somehow vanish from the world? Does it cure world hunger and all the children of the world hold hands? Of course not. No, of course it doesn't. But when you make a shift, when you make even the tiniest positive shift, you put yourself in a position where you can respond to what's happening in a way that expands and opens and allows change. That's why I say don't be afraid. Be love. Because, of course, you are love. When we feel farthest from divine love when it's hardest to find it's like me asking those questions spirit you're guiding me but here i am and what do i do next i don't know answer me answer me 
when we feel farthest from divine love, when we're not getting those answers, we are still just as close, just as held, just as present with divine love as we are when we are feeling closest and most tuned into it. Because divine love, divine presence doesn't go away. We don't get left. Our attention ebbs and flows and our perspectives change. We get distracted. We, sh- we yell, shut up and leave me alone. We wander away. But your divine connection cannot be extinguished. That's part of that part of you that is immortal, limitless, abundant, directly tied to the divine, to spirit. It can't be extinguished no matter what you do, no matter what has been done to you, no matter who you are, no matter how you feel. This is true like gravity is true here on earth. Remember, oh, please remember that you are loved, held, known, protected, supported in divine love. And as we continue to move through these wild times, don't be too scared to pay attention. Tune into the way spirit moves in you and is moving in the world. Give yourself the gift of compassionate looking inward. Don't be afraid to ask questions, to speak your truth, to set energetic boundaries, to take care of yourself. I love talking with you like this and I hope something I shared today resonates with you and maybe, maybe makes a tough time a little easier. You can visit KarenHager.com to find upcoming classes and even book a private session with me if you're so inclined. And at OpenPeacefulHeart.com, you'll find a library of free guided meditations, most of them recorded right here in this office, that you can stream anytime that's there for you, anytime. On the first Sunday of every month, my wife and I stream a live guided meditation, 15 minutes, that attracts a circle of listeners from all over the place now who want to focus on peace in our hearts and peace in the world. You won't find triggers here. There's no selling, no yelling, no politics, no division, just to focus on peace. All are welcome. That's at openpeacefulheart.com to get details and find that library of recorded meditations. And if you're on Facebook, have a little search for the Open Peaceful Heart Circle Facebook group. There are daily posts in that safe space to encourage positive, peaceful connection. We've got a nice, good community going over there. You're very welcome to join us. So on Facebook, Open Peaceful Heart Circle. Thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until the next time we connect, I'm wishing you peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.